welcome everyone to the Stadium Journey podcast. We are back and better than ever and still the worldwide leader in information for the dedicated sports traveler with reviews of over 2,500 sporting venues around the world. Check out the most amazing websites, stadiumjourney.com and dive right in. Also head to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you name it and join in the conversation at Stadium Journey. Thanks for joining us tonight, and we are so glad you're here. A special welcome to all those watching live on Twitch at danlaw.tv, Facebook, YouTube, pirated, pirated satellites in the Middle East, or wherever you're watching. Thanks for joining us. Paul Baker is away at his side job as a rodeo clown today, so I'm sitting in the big boy chair today. Uh, my name is Dave Cotney, and you can follow me at Profan9. Mark Viquez is also with us today, and you can follow him at Ballpark Hunter. And Dan Calachico is in the projection truck today. Follow him at DanLaw83. If you hear a big bang, that's just the sound of Ray Mysterio being thrown against his wall. Uh, you can also follow Paul, who is actually calling a game from UMass Dartmouth today at PuckmanRI. So Good tonight... Good reference. <laughs> you like that one? That did. Like a lawn dart. dart. The lawn dart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today, we're pleased to welcome author, educator, fighter for the cause... Brock Greenhalgh, welcome to the Stadium Journey podcast, Brock. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you uh, for inviting me along, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to, I had no other plans for this Tuesday night. You, you, know, what's, you know what's great Nobody about this, Dave? Does. You know what's great about this, Dave, is he heard the banter before the show and he didn't run. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Still here. <laughs> Unlike some people well, we know. Well, I got to feel like uh, like today it's like, it's, you know, like that fourth Kiss reunion tour, you know, the band's getting back together, Brock. Uh, you know, it's Brock and I go way back, taught together way out at the Glen for a while. So uh, we're here today, Brock, um, to, uh, to answer a really important question. Uh, how's my nephew doing at school there? <laughs> no, I'm just, don't answer that. He'll, he'll kill me. Again. Hold on. Which one? I got to tell you. <laughs> one of the first days of school he came over to me he's like you know it's gonna be so hard to call you mr greenhalgh i'm like we've met maybe three or four times and i don't think we've had a really big conversation but you can try your best you can call me mr greenhalgh don't call no, me Brock. but no. in in all seriousness uh we are in in black history month and i thought what a, a better is there a better guest that i know firsthand uh, to get on the Brock because Brock is the author of Hard Road to Victory, which is the story of the Chatham Colored All-Stars. And uh, Brock has embarked on a journey. Uh, well, I don't even, how long has it been? Because I remember you sending me your proposal quite a few years ago. Uh, but it, Brock's plan, his goal is to get the Chatham Colored All-Stars enshrined in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's it's been a while. You know what? It goes back, actually, the first time I had ever heard of the team. I grew up in Chatham, Ontario. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's about a 45-minute drive from the uh, Windsor-Detroit uh, uh, bridge. And uh, growing up in Chatham, I had gone off to, to university. I went to the same university Dave went to at uh, Wilfrid Laurier, but uh, was home um, for the summer, my first year after, uh, coming after my first year, and uh, had a job working at the, the Chatham-Kent Museum. One of the first days I was there, I was walking through, and here was a photograph, and I've got it at the back of the book, actually, and I had never seen this photograph before. This is, I don't know how well you can see that, that is the 1934 Chatham All-Stars. And I saw that in 1989, so 55 years after it had been taken. And I figured, I love baseball, I love history, and I'd never heard of the story of the All-Stars. If I didn't know the story, a lot of other people hadn't heard it either. So I, I ended up using it for my fourth year thesis when I did my undergrad. And a couple of years after that, I uh, turned it into a radio documentary when I was working in radio. And then another 25 years goes by, and I'm creeping up on uh, a big birthday. I don't want to say which one, but it rhymes with nifty. And I decided to come up with a list of 50 things I'd never done before um, and get them done. And one of those things was writing a children's book and getting it published about the All-Star. So the book came out uh, last, a year ago, December. So December of 2020. And starting in January, I started doing these book talks. And 
at the time, uh, I started with three goals in mind. One, to, to raise some money for the, uh, the Black History Museum in Chatham, uh, Kent, which is called the Black Mecca Museum. Uh, also to get the story out into schools and the libraries across the country. Um, and then the third idea was to, to help push the team into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. They've been on the ballot now for five years. Uh, they originally uh, placed on the ballot from the Chatham Sports, uh, Chatham Sports Hall of Fame back in 2017, I guess it was now. And the way that it works is there's a 24 member committee at the Hall of Fame made up of uh, Canadian sports writers, um, historians, as well as former inductees into the, the Hall of Fame. They uh, decide every year who should be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the team would need 75% of the votes to get in. Uh, they weren't successful this year. Uh, they haven't been successful now for five years. So the time is, is getting shorter and shorter. Uh, and it was a bit of a, a bit of a kick in the pants because the, the class of 2022 was announced back on February the 2nd. Uh, and it was Jeff Francis. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Jeff Francis, had a heck of a career in the major leagues. Um, but there was nobody else there. There was there, there was an empty, it was I, I was on their website kind of waiting for that next name to drop or for something else to happen. There wasn't anybody. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I thought, you know, we've we've rallied, we have uh, we've garnered support from uh, from Fergie Jenkins, whose father had played for the team back in the 30s. Uh, we garnered support from local uh, local members of government. Uh, reached out to uh, uh, to other uh, folks that I knew. Uh, Rob Ducey, for example, Canadian boy, grew up in Cambridge. Uh, not far from here, played for the Blue Jays. He got on board with us as well, too. Uh, some other uh, some other people as well, too. Reached out to Rob Thompson, who grew up uh, in Corona, which is just outside of Sarnia. Uh, and he's now the bench uh, coach for the Phillies. And uh, he got on board with it right away, bought a couple copies of the book, uh, started to use them in uh, in working with the guys in the clubhouse. Um, but, yeah, we we came up short. So it's it's really it's really unfortunate. And. I wish that I had an answer as to why, or you know, if if the committee could say to us, "Look, you know, you're missing certain key pieces to the application or anything like that." The one idea that's been bandied around is waiting for this one to lapse, uh, this this uh, this attempt anyway, and then re uh, kind of refocus it on looking at the team being um, in, in the builder category, which is a different category than the one they're in right now. And that might be the way that we do it so that the team it, we're, we're recognizing this team, the team was around from 1932 until 1939. And in 1934, uh, they, they had won the Chatham, uh, the Chatham city league. And that gave them an opportunity to go into the OBAA playdowns, Ontario baseball amateur association playdowns. And they had played Sarnia. They had played well, uh, well into, they had played, uh, they ended up playing the final uh, game or the final series was against this town uh, called Penetanguishing. And on the other side of the field was this guy, Phil Marshallton. Phil Marshallton ended up being one of the first Canadians to really make an impact in major leagues. He pitched uh, about 185 games for the uh, Philadelphia athletics and also for the Boston Red Sox fought for Canada in World War II, tried to come back into the majors after that. Amazing story on his side as well, too. So for them to be crowned uh, champions was a feat uh, in and itself. And the, the kind of the crux of the whole story is uh, in, the, in the series, it was best two out of three series, uh, Chatham goes up to Penetanguishing. And that's, that's you know a 500 kilometer drive we're saying okay so 300 mile drive back in the 1930s uh they they win in penetanguishing they turn around two days later mm -hmm. they go back down to chatham and they lose in chatham uh and then the third game they decide to hold in guelph ontario which isn't far from here in kitchener kind of a halfway point and the the team it ended up going into the 11th inning and chatham was up three to two penetanguishing was up to bat first guy strikes out they're down. They got two outs left. The umpires decide to stop the game and they claim that there's not enough light left to finish the game. And they erase the, the run that Chatham has scored and they bring the score back to 2-2. And they say, we're going to call this game a tie and we'll play a fourth game tomorrow and that will determine the winner. Well, 
everybody knows exactly what's going on, right? The All-Stars, the, the Chatham All-Stars run on the field. They start yelling at the umpires, the managers, coaches, and OBAA officials are trying to figure out what to do. Finally, the officials say, we're going to have to live by this decision. You've called this game a tie, uh, and then you've said there's a fourth game tomorrow. Um, you're not going to umpire that fourth game. They, they sent that crew of umpires home. They brought in another crew of umpires. Chatham ends up winning that fourth game 13-7. Uh, to 7. So, uh, so many obstacles, so much that they had to overcome, you know, 13 years before Jackie Robinson gets into the major leagues. And it's, uh, it's an amazing story to tell. Interestingly enough, I've told this a few times and some people have said, you know, if this happened in the States, Disney would have picked up on this already and made it into a movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> that hasn't happened yet, but there are, I've actually talked to some, some documentary uh, filmmakers about it. And who knows that might still be the case. Um, the elephant in the room is it's not my story, right? I have no, no vested interest in this other than being a historian, other than being a, a fan of baseball. But I've built relationships with the families of, uh, of those players that run the team. And this really cool thing, back in October, uh, we had this thing, we called it Field of Honor. And we ended up finding 30 descendants of those 1934 all-stars. We brought them into Chatham, uh, went to Fergie Jenkins field at Rotary park. And we had a softball game between the two sides. And we did, we did them up in, in retro uh, 1934 uniforms, the whole thing. And it was just an amazing day. So if nothing else comes of it, that sort of, uh, revitalization and, and, and sort of recognition of, of the team was, was pretty special back in October. I would, I would say, I mean, you were questioning about the, the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame's decision. I would, I would say, just to play the flip side from the, from the Hall of Fame's perspective, you know, they've, they've kind of had a, a rough go. And, and full disclosure, I am a, a member. I do, I, I do have a membership of the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Not a voting membership. I don't get to vote. Uh, I was about for, to say the plot. For who's thickens. in or and who's not. <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, I do have a, a financial stake, I guess. I don't know. Financial, I'm a financial supporter of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So the, the 2020 induction ceremony hasn't even happened yet, right? And that's a that was a big group. That was Justin Morneau, Dwayne Moore, John Olerud, Jacques Doucette. So if you are, if you know Canadian baseball, like those are big names yeah. in Canadian baseball, right? Uh, last year, 2021, there was nothing uh, because, you know, they were going to do the induction ceremony and then COVID didn't happen and, you know, all that jazz. And then, you know, 2022, it all, to me, it almost seemed like, okay, we, we need to add someone, right? Like to say that we have a class because we don't really want to have no class for, for two years. Right. So we'll put in one person like we'll put in Jeff Francis and and then you know we'll go forward so I, I'm wondering if there was not much chance of Chatham happening this year because it was this year because there are now five guys and and you know you're you don't want your induction ceremony to last forever right Right. It, it could be. And that's the thing. The, the, the folks at, uh, at the Hall of Fame, uh, I'd never want to play poker with them, right? Because they keep those cards really, really close. You, you won't get any sort, of, any sort of hint from them as to, you know, which way to lean or, or what seems to be happening. And, I, I, you know, I've asked some, some pretty straightforward questions. I remember saying to um, Scott Crawford, who's the, the executive director, I said, should we put together, uh, you know, like a... a, a a poll, right? Or uh, you, you put together a petition. He goes, no, don't do that. But that was that was the only thing that he, he was willing to give me. Um, and the other piece of it as well, too, is, and I think back to, I think it was, you know, last year when when uh, Major League Baseball finally recognized the, the the stats from the from the Negro Leagues, one of the original responses to that from someone at the Negro League Museum was, you know, we don't need the M the uh, MLB to to recognize that. You know, like there, there's we don't need we don't we don't need that recognition, um, and and maybe that's kind of a, a kind of a take on this as well is that if it doesn't ever come, um, 
then you, you look for other ways to, to be recognized as well too. And that's, that's, uh, that's another piece of it as well. The, the key thing I think for me too, is I need some, some younger folks to kind of pick up, pick up the banner and get running. There's this great organization uh, outside of just outside of Chatham called uh, Buxton's next generation. And if you've, you know, read anything about, you know, uncle Tom's cabin, the underground railroad, all those things, North Buxton, this, this town, this, uh, this uh, settlement, um, where a lot of a lot of people came uh, came north um, has has they've got an amazing history there as well too. So there's a group of younger people that, uh, and I'm actually speaking with them this Sunday or this Saturday to talk about the, the book, and and I'm going to call out to them and say, look, you know, give us give us some some help in spreading the word. Uh, interestingly enough, the day before the announcement, uh, so for February first the Toronto Blue Jays released this two minute video that is voiced by Fergie Jenkins talking all about the Chatham All-Stars. And it was like, Hey, maybe this is a little glimpse into what's, you know, what's going to come. And then it just kind of, it just, uh, it petered away. And, and the Jays have been, they've been amazing sponsors or, and, and supporters all along 20 years ago, uh, back when uh, major league baseball was, was uh, honoring the Negro leagues, uh, the Jays wore Chatham all-star replica uniforms. They had a game in Shea stadium against the Mets. Uh, the year later, they, they played a game at home against the white Sox and, and uh, wore these, uh, these, these retro uniforms, these stars uniforms, and great recognition. Um, you know what? Twenty years has come and gone, right? Uh, it was it was that that day we had back in October was amazing. None of the players from that thirty four team are still alive, um, but we had we had the son of one of the players. This guy's seventy two years old and came out to play first base, which was awesome. And uh, you know we had other guys that uh, that were honorary uh, coaches and managers that were the sons of uh, of uh, Earl Chase. Um, who actually he played? You were mentioning uh, the London Major or the uh, London Majors earlier. One of the first uh, black athletes to play for the London Majors. This guy, if there was no color barrier, probably would have been one of the few guys on this team that <clears throat> might have had a chance to play in the major leagues. And, and his two sons, Horace Junior. and uh, or Horace and, and Earl Junior. rather, are are still around. So it's still a great story to tell, though. And and uh, we just hope it keeps getting uh, getting more and more traction. That's for sure. So how is this um how has this journey been for you personally? I mean outside of you know the goal of the Hall of Fame uh like we mentioned you you've written a book and got to do some amazing stuff so so how's how is that uh how's that been for you? What, you know what, what it, it what will you it, pull away from all of this? It came along it, at a really good time. Well, at a, at a bad time in everyone's lives the last two years, but it was something that I could, I could put my energies into. I, I spend my, I'm, I'm a full-time teacher. I work as a guidance counselor with seventh and eighth grade uh, students. Uh, so, and, and that's been, that's been a challenge as well too, especially as an educator working with kids that are dealing with all of the stuff that's going on in our world. So for me to be able to have something else that I can put my energies into, like you guys being able to do this as well, like it's a, it's a passion. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it provides you with with an outlet. It gives you you gain energy from it. Uh, that's really been uh, been amazing to, to to for me to be able to do that as well too. And it uh, it it also allows me to say, okay, you know, what's next? What's going to be the next big thing? Um, I've got a couple of other ideas that are brewing for other for writing other uh, writing projects as well. And it's it's given me. Uh, uh, more of a perspective, I think, too, on my hometown and on what life was like uh, for a lot of the, the, those families that were growing up in Chatham and, and reconnecting with a lot of people as well, too. Last February, uh, there was a, a small brewery in Chatham called uh, the Sons of Kent Brewery, and uh, they did a, a special beer, actually. They did uh, Chatham All-Stars Rye Pale Ale. That's a year-old beer sitting in my fridge. Um, <laughs> but it was a, a lot of the guys connected to that brewery I'd grown up with. Right. And it was just like uh, an amazing opportunity to reconnect with those guys as well, too. And, and kind of look at different ways of, of telling this story. I, uh, I made another connection with the Blue Jays back in the spring. They uh, they took a number of the books and they used them in their Jays Care Foundation, where they uh, they work with underserved youth in and around Toronto. Um, so that was a great, uh, great opportunity as well, too. Um, connecting with uh, with people 
um, like Fergie Jenkins. I mean, growing up in Chatham, you know, and playing ball when I was a kid, that was, here's my hero, right? And, and being able to communicate with him, uh, you know, he's, he's lives down in Texas now. He's, he's in his seventies. He's still connected with the, with the Cubs organization. Um, but he still took time out to be a part of this as well too, which was, which was really, uh, it was awesome. It's, it's been, uh, it's been an adventure for the last year and a half. Um, and it's, you know, it kind of, it kind of goes in waves, right. But it's, it's also one of those things where I was, I was pretty deflated back on the second because I thought of what we've done and, and, and the, the sort of the groundswell in Chatham, uh, the Black Mecca Museum, they were, they, were the, they were the real driving force behind getting this, this uh, softball game together. And, um, you know, the, the organizers there were disappointed as well, too. But it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, strengthened everyone's resolve, I think, as well, too. So we'll, uh, we'll keep plugging away. We've got a few more years yet anyway before before the uh, – I think they turned over to a different committee, actually, if they don't get inducted after nine years. So, yeah. Now, one thing I heard Fergie Jenkins say was that uh, his father could play some baseball. He mentioned that at his uh, Hall of Fame induction. If the Chatham All-Stars do not become this, this traveling club, what is Fergie's – Jenkins Jr.'s career look like? Is he still the Hall of Fame player? Does he gravitate to another sport? How much do the All-Stars influence his father? Yeah, you know what? I think it had a huge influence on on, on his dad and on, on uh, Fergie, obviously, growing up. His dad had actually moved, um, was living in Windsor, moved from Windsor to Chatham to, to play ball for the All-Stars back in 35 and 36. Um, excuse me. And, uh, he was working as a, as a cook in uh, one of the restaurants in the hotels, downtown Chatham. And it was, um, you know, that it was this kind of fate that he met his wife there, uh, and, and put down his roots. And that was, uh, that was interesting to, to be able to see that when Fergie was up and coming, uh, uh Fergie uh, Jr. There were a couple of options for him there. He was looked at for basketball. He, and he, yeah. for a couple of years there, he, he played with the Harlem Globetrotters, in the off season as well. Um, but I think it was, uh, he, he mentions, he goes, you know, my dad didn't, didn't talk a lot about baseball, but the nice thing was um, Fergie had this, uh, uh, ended up being a, 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 a real mentor for him was this guy by the name of Gene DeJura. And Gene was a high school teacher, saw Fergie when he was probably 14, 15 and thought, this kid's, you know, this kid's got some talent. What can we do with him? Started working with him on, on, on being a, a pitcher and, uh, and just, it just kind of took off from there. So I think that was, uh, it was just all, it was all kind of amazing sort of uh, timing and, and all of those other pieces that, that came along. There was another guy that played back in 34. His name was Wilfred Harding. They, they called him Boomer Harding. He ended up being uh, the first black athlete to play in the IHL, the International Hockey League, and the first black guy to play in uh, the Olympia Stadium in Detroit. And he told this story when he was, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. He said, you know, a week before, me and my brothers and sisters went down there to go skating. We were turned away at the door, right? We weren't allowed to go skate. He goes, but the next week, here I am playing for the team. And uh, he told this story about how, the owner of the team said, any guy that scores a hat trick, I'll buy you a new hat. And he said there were at least three or four times that season when he would have scored two goals and then he gets benched for the rest of the game mm. just so that he can't get that hat. So, you know, you hear stories like that and you're like, man, okay. And again, this is, this is going back, you know, 70, 80, 90 years ago, but it's still important for us to realize those, uh, those stories and, and, and be able to tell those stories as well, too. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm from the New Jersey. We hear stories about uh, the, the plight of the African-American uh, during the, before the civil rights movement. What about, I mean, obviously we heard some things about uh, what it was like for them in Canada. Uh, anything you uncover that you were just appalled or shocked or amazed at yeah you, you know there was the the movie that came out a couple of years ago the green book and and that yeah. green book talked about you know where would there be places that would be suitable yes. for for black folks to, to visit there were there were canadian listings in that book because 
people would be traveling up that, you know, they would come to areas in uh, most cases in, in Southern Ontario. And there were a number of what they called sundown towns. So, uh, right. So if you were not, if you, if, if it wasn't your hometown, you weren't in your, your own property, you're at a hotel and you were black, you couldn't leave the hotel after it was dark. Uh, Dresden, Ontario, which is where you would go to see Uncle Tom's Cabin, uh, which is you know tied to the Underground Railroad, for years was a, was a sundown town. Uh, Wheatley, Ontario, which is down near Windsor, uh, same there as well. And so it, it, it was happening in a lot of other communities. The interesting thing with Chatham, and, and not to say there wasn't any racism in Chatham, because I'm guessing there would have been as well, but at one point, a third of the population of Chatham were black, and that was that late 1800s, early 1900s. So a lot of families have been growing up, uh, you know, with each other. Uh, and and for me, as a kid back in the you know 70s and 80s, uh, seeing interracial marriage was no big deal. You didn't think anything of it, right? But that might not have been the case in a love in another uh, bunch of small towns in in Ontario and other parts of Canada where it just there was never the population there to begin with. Um, so that was always seen as, as you know, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, different than what we're used to sort of thing. So, but it was still, yeah, there were, there were places, uh, you know, even in Chatham, there were two doors that you went into the, if you're going to the movie theaters, that, you know, the, the seats at the front were, were for uh, the black families that were coming. Um, still, you know, restaurants that would serve you, but only at the back of the kitchen, right. You could, you could, eat there but you couldn't eat inside the in the dining area sort of thing so a lot of that was still going on and uh and that's that's a part of our 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 history too that that we haven't learned a lot about as well so we need to we need to make sure that those stories are are part of that that greater discussion that we have yeah i think this is what this book provides a nice little history lesson uh and you know it's always it's for me as a baseball fan, I love reading those stories because uh, there was the Bismarck Churchills, which was an integrated team that had Satchel Paige and Hilton Smith. That's another story that That's took right. place in the 1930s, amateur baseball team that you don't really hear about, but it takes somebody with a passion and commitment and all of a sudden it becomes part of their lives to tell that story. So thank yeah. you for shedding light on this to us here in the States. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance to, to tell yeah. it. It was such a, a different time though. Like, yeah. you know, in the, in the, in the teens, the twenties, the thirties, like uh, even, you know, guys like, like, like the, in the twenties, Babe Ruth, right. The biggest, the biggest name there was in baseball. Like he had to be, he had to be smacked down by the, the commissioner of baseball because at the end of the world series, he went out on, on these barnstorming tours, right. With, with a couple of guys from the Yankees or, or the Red Sox or whatever. And, and they would go around and it such a, such a different time, just like structurally from, from that. So anyway, um, well, yeah, and, and you brought up a good point. It's the same thing like Satchel Paige and Dizzy Dean, they were good buddies, right? They would, and they would say, you know, if we can, if we can generate enough, uh, interest, Let's get a game together, and it was driving driving the uh, the owners of the clubs nuts because they're like, we've invested you know how much in these these players? We don't want them getting hurt. We don't want them you know. But it's like, hey, it's, it's the off season. We're gonna go. We're gonna be able to do whatever we want to do. And if we can find a, a stadium where we can fill it, and people want to come out and watch this exhibition barnstorming game, uh, come and watch you know Dizzy Dean pitch against Satchel Page, man, like, just amaze. Uh, just to be able to take in a game like that, it would be, it would be amazing for sure. Well, and there's no, there's no sports center. There's no, you know, cable. There's no, like, there's nothing. There's nothing on television at all. So, but uh, the medium you chose to tell the story, um, kid's book. Why, why a kid's book? Uh, And if you had to do it over again, would you, go the same the same route great question i came at this i came at this story a number of times in a number of different ways i looked at writing it as a novel i looked at writing it as a as a as a fictionalized story as well um where you know you you kind of you take the best of the story and 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 uh, go from there but um the one thing for me was as an educator 
being able to find a way to connect with, with younger people. And I thought one of the greatest things that I can do is, is come at it with a kid's book. And it's not a traditional kid's book. There's no dialogue, right? There's no character that's telling the story. It, my first few runs through it, it was, it was just a bunch of historical facts. And, and I really had to, to work at building in literary devices like, you know, alliteration and colloquialisms and those kinds of things. And, and I'm no illustrator. So I also had to make sure that I was, I was comfortable with the illustrations. I ended up reaching out uh, to, uh, you know, Dave, Eastwood Collegiate. It's a high school here in Kitchener. They have this integrated arts program. And one of the arts teachers uh, introduced me to, uh, to these two guys. They were, they were teenagers. Um, and I said two things. I want you to do the work in watercolor. And I want it to look like the 1930s. And I was blown away with, with the work that these guys had done. Um, I've had some interest in the story from uh, from some other uh, from publishers. I, I've, I've self-published this, uh, and I realized when you when you self-publish, you have to self-promote as well. So, uh, but I had one publisher reach out and say, um, you know, it's pretty rough. We wouldn't we wouldn't pick it up the way that it is. But would you consider this is the other piece too? Would you consider co-writing it with a black author? Um, not to say that there's no legitimacy there, but to, but to kind of address that elephant in the room, right? Uh, and the one the one take on it was maybe you write you write it as a nonfiction uh, and write it as a young adult novel, right? And you come at it that way, which uh, which is has kind of that's kind of it's cooled off. I haven't heard much from them lately, but that that might be the next thing. But it might also be the point for me just to say, you know what? I'll let you take, you can pick up and run with that if you want to, uh, and, and, and go on with that. Uh, CBC here, uh, has decided they're doing a new, they've got a new documentary series. Um, and they've done one of their, uh, episodes. It's all about black history in Canada. One of the episodes is on, uh, on sport in Canada. And, uh, the, the director that I had spoken to, uh, was interviewing, uh, people I'd connected them to that, you know, the, the children of these, the athletes. So I'm hoping that the tale is going to be told that way as well too. And uh, it, looking back what I've done it differently, I I'm happy the way that I've done it. Um, but as I had you know, kind of jokingly said earlier, this, this could be a movie, right? This could be mm-hmm. someone who, who looks at this and goes, Hey, there's, there's a way that we can tell this story. And uh, it's, it's great to, um, great to be able to see that there's another book actually coming out in may and it's called on account of darkness and it tells it's telling the story of uh racialized athletes in and around chatham kent um from uh from the 1800s to you know the the 1960s sort of thing uh this guy ian kennedy he's got a website called uh, chatham kent sports network he's behind it he's uh, done a great job and i'm i'm hoping it's you know that he's going to be able to kind of pick up with that story as well and 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 run with that as well so we'll uh, we'll see where it where it goes from here well and maybe that's the maybe that's the answer uh to the to the original question maybe it's you know, something like CBC, where suddenly you're not constrained by your own geography and you yeah. can get out of Ontario into, you know, like like these these voters for the Hall of Fame. They're not all sitting in their backyards in St. Mary's. That's uh, right. St. Mary's being, of course, where the Hall of Fame is in Canada. Um, you know, they're, they're all across the country. So, you know, maybe that's just the exposure, just the... Mm, push it over the top yeah and and it, it we're hope we're hopeful uh, that that's going to happen i um there's a, a friend of mine that i had known from university days and he's uh, the sports editor at the at the national post and he had written a piece back uh, last february about the team um and he's he's talked about kind of following up with that story as well too so again any sort of print media that we can get uh ian kennedy who i'd mentioned earlier he's been given the opportunity to write a uh, an opinion piece in the Globe and Mail uh, that's going to come out this Saturday about it as well. So there's, you know, we've got we've got a couple of a uh, couple of irons in the fire, and we're hoping that that things are going to be able to uh, to come around for sure. Mark really wants to know what your uh, favorite inter county baseball stadium was as you did your rounds <laughs> around the around you know, the <laughs> inter county league this summer, as I did. Yeah, you know, the one that I didn't get to, which I hope to get to, is uh, is the Well and Jackfish. They oh. they're kind of back in, 
And they, uh, a friend of mine lives out in St. Catharines and he was saying, he goes, Brock, they're doing it upright. They're, you know, yeah. they've got it. They've got it figured out how this, uh, this whole thing should, uh, should shake out. And so that's on the, that's on the list of places to go for, uh, for 2022, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. No, great one. No, I actually talked to Ryan Harrison on a pat on a podcast about the Jackfish a couple of weeks ago. Uh, right on. Episode's going to air in a few weeks, and yeah, he discussed exactly the things they do. They're kissing the fish and and being screeched. Like they have their own take on it, and yeah, and uh, just providing an atmosphere uh, that's a little bit different compared to some of the uh, other stadiums. I also mentioned you, Dave. How you sort of were kind of <laughs> ragging on it. And he goes, "Well, I hope he comes out to Welland." And I said he I, did. He said he actually liked it. So I you know. I had good things to say about Welland. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? If you think about it, they're totally new blood and, and oh. new blood needed, right? That's like, what I like to say. Exactly. Like the London Majors and the and the Kitchener Panthers have been doing the same old, same old forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh and you know, they've carved out their little niche, but you know, I think I think Welland is just sort of turning things on its ear. Yeah, he, he got me excited about seeing the game. And, you know, we also talked about St. Catharines. They have a ballpark over there that could probably use a team. I I think they can use a team. I'm not sure. but And there, there's actually – there were some rumblings last fall that Chatham might actually look to get themselves nice. as a team of the IBL. Uh, so it's a possibility. I mean, the stadium that we – the, the Fergie Jenkins Stadium, it seats maybe 500 Right. It's not it's not a it's no. not a it's not a big space at all, but there's lots of space on either side to, you know, for people to come with with chairs and stuff. And they can put, uh, in, they can put in some bleachers like that's not yeah. that's not yeah. uncommon. You can get creative. Yeah, you can get you can get creative. Even even here in Indiana, uh, there's a team in uh, Crown Point, Indiana, that they're putting in bleachers. It's it's a 500 seat ballpark. So it just depends, uh, you know, just depends where your mind goes. Okay, let's put some bleachers here. Let's add some food. Let's sell some merchandise. You know, it's not going to be a, a, you know, like it's not going to be a 3,000 seat stadium, but people come and have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. See some baseball. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next, I'd say, two to three years in, in uh, in the IBL because the, the big benefactor, yeah, has died. It died over the winter, right? The mm-hmm. uh, Domenico, who was the uh, I don't even want to say the owner of the of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was the benefactor. Like he just made yeah. it happen. Yeah. Um, just because he wanted to, because he sure as heck wasn't making any money on it, right? Like with no with no ticket sales, and I don't know if there were concessions or whatnot. And Christy Pitts is not. Not exactly oh, an easy spot to get to. Or. Yeah, that's where you sit down on the field and watch the game, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is kind of nice, but at the same time, uh, I mean, do they pass the hat around for tickets? I mean, for money, or is it? I have no idea. It's uh, it was tradition? the one spot that we decided not to go to, um, just because of how how Toronto is. It's in a yeah, it's in a tough spot of town. Um, yeah. And don't they film there a you lot? Know, Isn't that used for Hollywood Studios? They f- there's like a part of the street they use for New York City because it oh, I've dingy. Geez, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I've heard um, that before. Maybe but the I big thing misquoted. is there's there's like no parking down there, so no. to come from out of town and yeah. and hop on the subway, you know. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give I, you I, that. I can just I'll see it. Me that. and my me and my kid like dragging our lunch. Just kiss a fish. Just go to Welland and kiss a fish. You'll be good. There you go. That's all you need to do, man. (laughs) I, I, you know what? I, I, I'd go back to actually. I went to Welland twice. Yeah, it was totally worth it. Yeah, that's what I was telling Brian. I said, "Love to come up there, and uh, hopefully we can cross the border soon." And I don't think there's any problems over the Rainbow Bridge. I think that's how I would get there. No, I would get. No, I would actually take the Ambassador Bridge from where I am or the tunnel. (laughs) So, Uh, yeah. yeah, should be it should be okay by then. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Looks like it was all cleared out today, so hopefully yeah. that's uh, that's going to stay that way. Well, it, you know, uh, adding to the uh, our conversation, I actually met Fergie Jenkins uh, back in where was it? Uh, Rockford, Illinois. We we're at a, a Rockford Riverhawks game, which used to be, I think, a Frontier League club, and he yeah. was just sitting there. 
at a table with baseball cards to sign. Nobody was there. <laughs> and I, I go to my buddy, Kevin, I said, that's Fergie Jenkins. And, you know, usually when you see these athletes, yeah. there's tons of people lined right. up, but there was nobody at this ballpark. That's crazy. And in Rockford, Illinois. In Rockford, Illinois. So that I just go no there sense. and I sit down. I just start talking to Ferg. I shake yeah. his hand. We start talking about Chatham and, you know, told him about a, a girl I dated up uh, up in London. I don't know oh why boy. I brought I don't know why <laughs> I brought that up, but we started talking. <laughs> Asked him about Screech. I said, Every hey, time. I was him. <laughs> I was I said I saw some video of you from like 1972 with Billy Williams drinking Screech, and he, he just started laughing and these two kids come up and they're like, who are you? And he's like, oh, Fergie Jenkins. And he gives oh, them an autograph. I'm thinking, guys, this is like a Hall of Fame picture. Here. <laughs> like his numbers retired by the Cubs. Like you don't realize <laughs> this is not some schlub here. I, I just couldn't believe that there was nobody there. But I was able to talk to a Hall of Famer for about that a was, good yeah, five That's awesome. Yeah, what an amazing opportunity, right? Yeah, I, know. I saw him in Buffalo at the Bisons game. He was signing autographs and more people you couldn't get anywhere yeah. near that guy no it was lineups forever oh anyway, just, i'm sure surreal. i'm sure when my father-in-law watches this he's gonna turn to my mother-in-law and talk about how he went to high school with Fergie jenkins and how they're you know their buddies and you know last time he saw him we were like hey fergie and he knew who he was and all that kind of stuff oh. <laughs> so um <laughs> since uh since uh, Paul Baker is at his rodeo clown gig and not here to ask his his question, I, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to take his uh, take his spot. So since we are the the Stadium Journey podcast, uh, any favorites? Out, doesn't have to be intercounty baseball. It doesn't have to be baseball at all. But uh, any Brock Greenhalgh favorite sporting journeys? Well, you know, Dave, uh, you were you were on this with me actually. Dave, Dave took me. We we went on a uh, a guys' weekend, went over and uh, and went to check out the Toledo Rockets, right? And they were yep. playing ball. Were they playing Ball State? Is that who they're playing? Uh, no, they were playing. Uh, they were playing Missouri. Right. And then yeah, and then we uh, we made our way to Heinz Field to watch a Steelers game. Big Steelers fan growing up. I mean, and uh, just being able to see that, I remember thinking at one point, Dave and I are up in the nosebleeds, and I'm thinking, at this point, my kids were like, you know, eight years old and 10 years old or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I could maybe bring my kids to a game out here. And then just as I finished thinking that, I, behind, right behind me, it was the, it was the Steelers and the, and the Browns. Yeah. And here are these two just slobber knockers and the one guy's lipping off the other guy and he's got his Browns gear on the other guy and they start just pounding on each other. I'm like, I don't know if I bring my kid to this game. Maybe not. Maybe we'll go to something else. But and it's, it's, uh, you know, on my, on my list uh, uh, to, to get back to go see a pirates game. Cause it just looks from the outside like a, a gorgeous place to, to watch a ball game. So, well, you know, we have never talked about, the pirates in PNC Park on this podcast before. Well, I at least not today. <laughs> never come up before. It's it just hasn't come up. Never <laughs> ever. You know, and 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 I'll I'll give you this one too. And you got me into this, Dave. Going to watch uh, the Buffalo Bisons at at the time was Coca Cola Field, right? Going to when you had when the kids were little and they had their Star Wars night, they did it upright. Here are fourteen thousand people in the stands. You know, 7,000 of them have lightsabers and they're, you know, beating on the other 7,000 have the lightsabers as well, too. It's a great way to to get all that frustration out. And uh, it's a from from here, it's a, an hour and a half drive. Right. So why wouldn't we? Now, you do have to get your shots, though, before you go to Buffalo. That's the one thing. Right. You got to make sure. Apparently you know, never, yeah. All of I was those. just thinking about this the other day. It has been way too long since I've been to the Pearl Street Grill. Oh. It's been way too long. The blueberry blonde is really nice there. That's exactly. a nice. That's a nice one to have. Exactly. So anyway, um, anywhere else? Any any bucket list items other than the pirates? Yeah, there's there's a couple. Um, 
the one is uh, that, and and the nice thing is, I I might be able to convince my wife to uh, to go along with me for this one as well too. Is um, I I wouldn't mind going to. I'd, I'd like to go and watch, kind of do a little little road trip. I want to go watch a CFL game in in Saskatchewan. I want to go see a Rough Riders home game mm-hmm. because if anyone's going to do up football north of the border in a decent way, it's going to be yeah. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Get right. your watermelon. Yeah, you're absolutely and, right there. Yeah, there and then just take a swing up and go watch a Calgary Flames game at, in Edmonton. My wife, growing up, uh, was a huge uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky fan. And we had been dating just a couple of weeks when she said to me, the best way to spend a Saturday night is staying at home and watching Hockey Night in Canada. She's a keeper. Sign me up right now. Sign me up. (laughs) So, yeah, that would be be on on the bucket list as well, too. So heading out there, and it would have to be winter. Right, it have to be like a like a November game. The coldest to be up yeah. there. Yeah, we could we could do that, and uh, I think that's where I'd like to go to see the Battle of Alberta. Sounds like fun. That sounds like a great road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems and, uh, like a heck of a long road trip. It's a long, it's a long road trip. That's okay though. But uh, yeah, we we check a few places off there for sure. Awesome. Well, Brock, we want to thank you for coming on, telling your story here. Uh, do you have some social media that you want to, to share so that the, uh, the good yes. listeners, the good followers of stadium journey can, you can, can help with if the cause. Could, that would be amazing. Uh, uh, right now I, everything, as I said, kind of got pared down a little bit. The one thing that's still, uh, up and running is, uh, um, I have a Twitter account and it is, uh, Papette P, the pub, uh, my publishing company is called Papette. So that is P E P P E T T, and then another capital P, Papette P, and that's my Twitter handle. If you look for Papette Publishing on Instagram, uh, I'm there as well, too. So check that out. And uh, anybody interested in copies of the book, uh, it is available for sale on Amazon.com and Amazon.ca. Uh, so it saves me having to uh, ship anything to the States. If you want to pick it up south of the border, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because uh, funds raised from the book sale go to the black Mecca museum in Chatham. So that, uh, that would be an awesome, uh, awesome help. Uh, I've, I've been able to do uh, book talks with, with elementary schools and high schools and always looking for opportunities to continue to do that as well too. So all right, send me a message and, and let me know. And merchandise as well. Can we get one of those cool hats you're wearing? Yeah, you know what? The hats and the shirts uh, and these guys here are through the Black Mecca Museum. We figured they would be central. So if you just type in Black Mecca Museum, it'll take you to the site. Nice. Uh, and uh, and they've got a, uh, I think it's through Etsy or something like that. They've got an account oh, that's wow. set up through there, but you can check that out. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's wrap her up then. Uh, Dan, where can people follow you? Any Stadium journeys for Dan. No. <laughs> no. No. I'm going to ask. No, 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 I'm not going. Not going, eh? Um, <laughs> I will be going to Capital One Arena in uh, August. But uh, which That's I a ways was, away. Yeah, I know. It's on my birthday, what, what's, too. What, what's Capital One now? Is that Washington? That's yeah, uh, or as I call it, Cap Center, because I refuse to call it Capital One Arena. You were right there, and you, you put Arena on the name, the end of the name of it. God dang it! Um, follow me, crying over Claude Giroux at uh, Dan Law eighty three. Well, can't cry yet. Nothing to cry over just yet. Well, JJ, uh, I was watching the close captioning, and JJ uh, Jackson, the uh, uh, Jim Jackson, excuse me, uh, not the guy from MTV. Um, J.J. Jackson. Yeah, J.J. Jackson uh, said that we're possibly watching the last Flyers game against the Penguins for Claude Drew, and I'm like, I can't, you know, Jay, thanks. Anyway, you can see me <laughs> crying about it at Dan 83 on all platforms. I'll cover it on all. Alrighty. Uh, Mark, any stadium journeys, and where can everyone follow you? Uh, you can follow me at uh, Ballpark Hunter on Twitter and uh, Instagram and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. 700 plus strong so uh can use some more subscribers plenty of great video content 
And you can check out my recent visits to uh, Freedom Hall, KFC Yum Center, Goggin Ice Center down in University of Miami, Ohio. Uh, I don't know what I have coming up. I, I just got back from a lot of college basketball, so I may take a breather for a few weeks and open up the travel log and head back out. So could be some college basketball, could be some college baseball. It's getting that time of year again out here. So I'll let you guys know when I'm on the All road. Right. Well, I am super excited because this past weekend, OUA sports kicked in again. Got to see Wilfred Laurier. Brock, you should really consider this week. One, two, three, four days in a row. Battle of Waterloo. Ouch. Home and away. Hockey and basketball. Okay. Uh, Laurier and Waterloo. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this week. Cheap night out. Nice. Perfect. So anyway, you can uh, follow those uh, at ProFan9 on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure that you head to the Stadium Journey website, stadiumjourney.com. Check out all of those reviews. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Stadium Journey. Head to YouTube where you're watching this uh, wonderful podcast, I hope. Uh, Obstructed Views. Check out Mark's channel. Lots of stuff to check out. Join us here in two weeks. Check out March the 1st, where we're upping the Canadian content again. And we're going to welcome Jim Flannery, who is our Calgary correspondent, and he's going to try and shed some light on the... Is mess a strong enough word? On the mess that is the Cluster Calgary F? Arena situation. So uh, we hope to see you there in two weeks on March the 1st. But for Dan and Paul and Mark, I'm Dave. See you out there on the road. Safe journeys, safe travels.